From the nation's capital, this is the Fly Fishing Consultant Podcast with your host, Rob Snow White. All right, everyone, before we get to the main part of the podcast with John Fall, I want to go over a little bit of fly fishing news. First up in the news is a shark was caught by a bait angler on the Occoquan River off of Occoquan Regional Park last week. That's kind of crazy. Bull shark have been caught in the Potomac River never that far up that I have ever heard of. So if you want to get into bull sharks, well, we got them now. And I'm leaving in about 30 minutes to go do some fly swinging with a client down at Gravelly Point. So who knows, we might get into some sharks. Producer Jason recently ran into a large black bear while fishing a local blue line in Pennsylvania. In addition to the Legends of the Fall tournament coming up, we have the Army Navy fly fishing on the Raritan River in New Jersey coming up again. And there was the lefty statue that was unveiled in Maryland. I know a couple of podcast listeners were there. We had Marshall and Owen and Josh V was there and Bo and a couple other people. So congrats to all the people that were able to go up to Maryland for the Lefty Cray unveiling. This is going to be the Legends of the Fly's seventh year of promoting fly fishing in the Hampton Roads area. Legends of the Fly was conceived in 2013 as a way to raise awareness about fly fishing in Virginia to increase participation in the sport and celebrate fly fishing culture and motivate anglers to have fun while making a lasting and positive impact on the fishery. This year, beneficiaries are Project Healing Waters and a nonprofit that helps children of fallen Navy SEALs. John is going to give you all sorts of information on how you can help, how you can donate, how you can register. And at the end of this, the end of the dinner, there's going to be a raffle for a bottle of Pappy Van Winkle 23. That is quite the rare bourbon. And you're going to learn all about how this all came to fruition with angling in Southern Virginia on the coastal areas and how a bottle of bourbon got thrown into this. So I could keep talking and explaining, but this is why I invited John on. So we're going to go straight to the podcast with John Fall and Legends of the Fly. All right, so we have John Legend with us. Is, is that right? <laughs> Not quite. John Fall, but part of Legend Legends of the Fly. Yes, and sir. Who didn't call it Legends of the Fall because that was already taken? Uh, yes, and actually, original concept was um, with a gentleman, Art Webb. We were bringing legends to Virginia Beach, Andy Mills, Stu App, in complement with the Fly Fishing Film Tour, benefiting Project Healing Waters. And it, it, the original concept was bringing legends to to Virginia Beach. Excellent. So before we get started on the whole fundraising, let's find out how who you are. So if we're gonna imagine a celebrity doppelganger who would you say you get compared to for somebody sitting at home cooking dinner listening to this actually i've been referred to i look like mark ruffalo and actually mark went to first colonial and went to school but that's the closest i get you're not uh, very green at the moment yeah (laughs) yeah no and i'm not the hulk yeah no mark ruffalo was i I occasionally get uh, drawn to uh comparisons with just so far as our looks i mean same age but 
No, uh, Virginia Beach, married, three children, one college grad, one's in the ECU. Uh, my oldest boy graduated from Ole Miss, and my youngest is at First Colonial, and uh, got into fishing at a young age and never thought it would turn into a, a mechanism to do some good in the world. Right. So you grew up down there. What's the fishing like? Up here, it hasn't rained a whole lot, so it's getting pretty salty. Everything is really low. Do you have to worry about that in a, in a tidal ocean area? No, you know, interestingly enough, I, I, my fly fishing career started off actually was conventional for, for my entire youth up till I took a business trip with a guy, a gentleman owned a couple car dealerships here named Bill Shepard. We went to the Bahamas and went bone fishing and I'd never been bone fishing in my life, much less with a fly rod. I watched him land two fish and I was absolutely hooked and he was kind enough to give me some cast instruction and, and I, I was totally into it after that point. So I came home and said, you can't saltwater fly fish around here. There's nothing to catch and hooked up with Brian and Colby Troll at Monster Creek Fly Fishing. They got me sort of dialed in. I went to JMU. They're both JMU grads. I'm a bit older than they are. I won't say by how much. They got me dialed into the whole fly fishing scene, came into contact with Art Webb through them. Art and I started and then mentioned Legends of the Fly and my saltwater, which is, you know, uh, as long as the tide's moving, um, you can find some some structure, uh, especially here. You can find rockfish, drum, speckled trout, even flounder. Off the in the Chesapeake, we were catching Kobe this summer on fly, big redfish. So it, this this market in Virginia is we're not too terribly far apart. You can get to the mountains or the ocean pretty quickly, and it's it's a pretty pretty interesting place to uh, to to be an angler. It's not Montana for trout, but you can get to the mountains, brett trout. You can get to the ocean and catch, you know, big fish on fly. It is a unique place to visit. Redfish and brook trout in the same day is yes. completely possible. Yes, I've done it. Um, actually, have done it. So, brook trout uh, fished in streams in the mountains. Left midday, hauled us home, got in the boat, hit some lights that evening, and caught you know thirty inch drum on fly, and you know close to my home. So it's it's totally doable. It's a unique place. So we're getting into the fall right now. What are we going to be targeting this time? What's what's hot? What's coming through? Things are migrating, I'm sure. Yeah. Speckled trout right now are, are really making a showing. I've got a number of good friends on our board, actually, and just guys that I fish with specialize in targeting speck trout. Gray trout are making a nice uh, showing. A fish that I haven't caught uh, in big numbers recently, just based on you know, what migration path or whatever's happened with gray trout, but they seem to be making a nice showing puppy drum sort of, you know, had really had diminished numbers years back and have come back super strong and schooly rockfish are definitely uh, around. And you can actually catch some nice size rockfish on, uh, you know, near rock structure during the day, or if you want to get out at night and hit some lights, they're prowling the lights pretty hard eating that those baits that are surrounding those uh, submerged lights or surface lights so it's it's pretty pretty interesting right now not as many boats on the water really makes for a, a great experience if you want to get out and explore new ground um especially if you you know get sort of caught staying in the same area it's, it's a great time of year to get out and explore is there a big fly fishing community down there are there are a lot of anglers you recognize in similar spots any groups that are organized to do things together um, well, with our group, Legends of the Fly, I mean, we, our, our whole mechanism 
is really to cultivate and encourage people to take, you know, the opportunity to fly fish saltwater in the tidewater region. So we, you know, not only do we want to raise funds for our, our military and, and conservation issues and, and efforts, it's really to cultivate, this is an amazing fishery. Actually, the, you know, this whole region, the mid-Atlantic offers a tremendous amount of opportunities. You don't have to go on a plane and fly. Um, you know, you can if you have the means, but there is a tremendous opportunity for saltwater fly fishing and freshwater fly fishing in this region. Largemouth, smallmouth bass, there's nothing better than the Shenandoah to do that. And, you know, carp, all sorts of different types of fish that you can catch on the fly. And, you know, does, at times you have to put a little bit of work in or maybe a little extra. You won't catch the numbers, but the satisfaction of of landing a fish on the flies, for me, is is far outweighs that of conventional gear. And I imagine you don't need a whole lot down there. Deceivers, clousers probably cover everything. Pretty much. I mean, actually... You, you hit the nail on the head. If you have a clouser, multicolored, multi-size, you pretty much can fish for any species down here. From drum to cobia to rockfish, speckled trout especially. If you know how and where to fish and you're okay with casting some sinking lines, you can pretty much land any fish with a clouser that you... Uh, that's funny. It's, it is the fly of, of all species. So um, even flounder. I've caught flounder on a clouser. That's a weird fish to pull up. Yeah, and I I yeah. thought I hit yeah I thought I basically hooked the bottom, but yeah. uh, finally came up and was surprised to see a flounder, which is not something you would traditionally think about catching with a fly rod. So somebody caught a bull shark up here last Friday. Did we know they were in the river? Didn't know they were that high up. Anything odd that people would catch near you? Are you getting any sailfish, tarpon, maybe like a weird opa fish from Hawaii shows up? You know, during the summer months on the Eastern Shore, Eastern Shore is another area that is just um, an amazing fishery. It's just big and expansive. So you you have to be, you know, finding somebody who will put you on some fish there is always a good thing. But if you do discover the Eastern Shore, there is tarpon that migrate to that area. It's, 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 it's the best known secret, you know, in this area that if you can figure out where those fish are migrating and their times of departure off the flats... You can spot 100 pound, ex- excess of 100 pound size tarpon. They're there. I mean, and they migrate. They literally migrate back down to the Keys, to, you know, heck, um, as far as, you know, Brazil, Cuba. Um, those fish have been tagged in their migration paths. They come up here as far to migrate and obviously migrate to breed. And they're they're on the shore. So that for me, that's sort of people are like, oh, there's not tarpon. They're actually there in, in significant numbers. It's just incredibly difficult to catch them that's just wild well i hope someone figures it out and takes me along <laughs> there's a few uh that you know and it's is it's as secretive as anything you'd ever want to you know it's it's a sort of a brotherhood of people that fish for them and they put in an enormous amount of time and once they do they don't want to you know pollute the area by bringing a bunch of folks in so i can understand their secrecy but you know it is it's an it's an amazing fish that is migrating this far up and it also feeds very heavily on menhaden so as go the menhaden as goes that fish and there's some you know correlations to their migration path based on the health of uh the you know that fishery right on and with all this excellent fishing is there a fly shop down there to support you or do you have to drive all the way up to harrisonburg and see colby and brian actually a new orbit store opened up and there's also here i do you know 
shop a lot with with Colby and Brian. Their online shopping is is excellent. Great outdoor provision is a fly shop here. Do you have a real manufacturer here, West Sigler Sigler Reels, mm-hmm. that is making outstanding large game fish reels, and now has migrated into uh, five weight and trout reels. There, but there is not a standalone fly shop in this area. There's one and down in the in the Nags Head. I I do a lot of my shopping with the guys from Great Outdoor Provision. I'm just sampling the new Orvis store, but I would say a majority of the stuff I buy comes out of Mossy and my friends there, Brian and Colby Trow. Right on. Yeah, that those guys are doing it right and super successful in the 20-something years they've had that shop going now. Yep. They've Pretty been well. um, they've been good friends of ours. They support our tournaments. They support the film festival here. They've got a new mobile truck that they're driving. Yeah, I saw that. Yeah, it's pretty cool. So pretty progressive. Two guys that own a business that's been, you know, successful, especially through obviously the pandemic. Yeah. Well, let's get started with them and the whole story of just start us from how the light bulb went off into your head to how many years we have coming up. So uh, questions throughout. It actually, I, I touched on it a little bit earlier. Meeting Brian and Colby, they're pretty innovative. They do the Mossy Creek Invitational, and they've been doing it for years, raising money for Project Healing Waters. The gentleman, Art Webb, and I, Art, actually, Art left this market, went and purchased Silver Kings, the TV show, and and actually put that show on. So Art owned a large ad agency here, and he helped me prescribe this event that we did. And it was Legends of the Fly. It was a full day of immersed in fly fishing, and we basically bring legends in. And Art had connections with... Stu App, a number of a number of legends within the fly fishing industry, Andy Mill, and we would bring them down once a year, show the film, but we'd have a speaker series, and they would come up, able women, which were select women mm-hmm. in the fly fishing industry, and that was actually our best attended event. So we were really kind of busting it, doing a great job with this event, and Art decided to pick up and move to the Keys because he was he had purchased silver kings and so at that point i was at a reflection and i had just attended an event in texas for phw and i also coming off of the monster creek invitational i said there's got to be something we can do a little bit more the film festival's great i don't know how much longer i can bring in legends because art was really the conduit to that and we started a tournament and so the tournament has really become the film is still very exciting. We, the attendance is really good, but it's not a full day spectrum of fly fishing seminars and casting instruction. The tournament has really taken center of our of our fundraising needs. And in regards to Seal Kids, which is one of our two charities in PHW, film is now conservation focused, and we do stuff with Lynn Haven River now, local conservation groups here to make sure our waterways are as they should be for us to enjoy. And so we migrated to do a tournament and art was still involved, but he was stepping back. So I took ownership of the tournament and we're into our seventh year of doing the tournament. It supports our, you know, again, seal kids, children of Navy seals who have educational needs and PHW, which are our, our veterans in need and through the therapeutic benefits of the outdoors and fly fishing. We've got, uh, wow. 6,000 participants. 3,200 volunteers across the country for PHW. We do the local programs and we expand out. We'll have 18 veterans fishing this year's tournament. Um, Right now we're at 44 anglers that have paid to be part of the weekend. 
and we've got sponsorship of you know local local businesses that are sponsoring the event. A number of them have been with us for years, and they just they come to the event, they see the impact. Larry Preddy, uh, Subtle Motors is a perfect example, and Larry goes, "As long as you're doing this, I'll support you." So, but based off of the event I saw in Texas, and I I sat there with my wife, and where it was a PHW event, and I heard the vet speak. I said, I've got to do something more. I can't idly sit here and not do something. My wife told me, she said, you know, know, what can that be? And I said, I think we could do a tournament. And it it has gone from a very, not going to say small, start off pretty strong, but it has grown in dimensions and impact. So now, you know, again, we'll have a Friday night captain's dinner and we get, we want to make sure we're celebrating the veterans and, and positioning for success. We do casting. We get them dialed in because they're typically fishing freshwater. Saltwater, as you know, is a different different beast. So we prescribed this event for them to be successful on the water. We made some changes this year in the tournament to get them on the water earlier, to give them opportunities to catch larger fish and more fish, because it can be difficult, as you know. So really, the, the event has continued to evolve. Seven years old, the tournament, Legends of the Fly has been around for 11 years because we did the film festival for that. So... We've got a little bit of lineage and, and a track record of success and a great board of volunteers that give unselfishly of their time. Can you break down that Friday night? Like, Sure. sure. Yeah. Friday, um, we're doing an event at uh, Ballyhoo's, which is the captain's meeting. And so the, the veterans will show up along with our, our guides who have volunteered their time, the paying anglers. And so it's six o'clock. You know, receive them. They'll get their. We actually doing a tournament T-shirt this year, a gift bag. They come into the venue. We'll have food and appetizers. They'll socialize for the first hour from six to seven, and then at about seven uh, o'clock, we will go through sort of the welcoming. We'll pair the veterans up with their guys to make sure they're connected, uh, so they know what time to meet in the morning. We'll go through general rules. We do have rules for the tournament to make sure that everybody's operating above board. As it's gotten bigger, we've had some entertaining situations. And there's not really any prizes. We do have, uh, this year we're doing, Wes Sigler of Sigler Reels is doing some, he's actually laser etching belt buckles for the winners. The past few years, we've had some really unique wood um, awards. And this year we're going to be doing some prescribed belt buckles. So we'll go through the, the rules. We'll go through what they win. We'll go through, you know, a general welcome and thank you. And um, we'll have casting instruction for our veterans with two certified casting instructors there. And then folks can hang out and have a cocktail or what have you, and we'll close out at 8 o'clock. The next morning, you can get on the water and be on a light or wherever you'd like to fish by, believe it or not, 5.30 a.m. Now, this will allow folks to get on the water if you want to fish the lights and and catch fish pretty regularly based on where you're headed. And so the vets and their guides and then our normal anglers will fish until... They have to be back at our property. Actually, the reception is at our home uh, by four o'clock. And then we'll do oysters. Chris Ludford and a good friend, Chris Shellhammer, are going to be uh, shucking uh, raw oysters uh, supplied to us by them and actually shooting port oysters on the Eastern Shore. We'll have uh, beverages from uh, a local Navy SEAL owned brewery called Bull Mariner. We'll, uh, dinner's being provided by our sponsors. And we'll, we'll go through a progression of you know awards. A moment to hear about the impact of PHW and also SEAL Kids. One of our sponsors actually likes to get up and thank our veterans. So we have a prescribed event that we'll go through from 
4 p.m. to 8 p.m. on Saturday night. And it's a little bit of live entertainment at the end of the night through a, a local band that my son's part of. It's it's a it's a pretty unique and we provide dinner, obviously. And it's we want to make sure people understand the region and they understand what's here because we do have folks, especially our veterans are coming in from out of market. We actually have sponsors coming in from Richmond. So it's 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 cool is probably a, not the correct word, but it's super satisfying to know that we've reached people in Richmond and through the clubs and through support of people like Brian and Colby, a number of other vendors that support us and share our social posts that the message has gotten out that far. And there, and this fishery is actually starting to be recognized as a place of destination. Can you name some of the sponsors from this year and years past? Yeah, Brian and Colby Tro at Mossy, Sigler Reels, Subtle. Heck, we have so many um, in-kind donations for for items that we're donating. A number of local guides provide trips. This year, we've got John White Insurance, local insurance providers. Top Line Recruitment in Richmond um, is one of our sponsors. So we've we've got a litany of folks that are providing us a lot of products for our auctions. This year, we actually do have a bottle of Pappy that we'll be auctioning that we secured through through a good friend of my wife's. And my wife is a, an active element of this. She helps with procurement of auction items and just different unique things that will expand our opportunity to touch people who don't fish. Or they could fish and really like bourbon. But also the Pappy, in which last night we, we were 100% was told that we'd get this bottle 23rd, 23rd. 23 was it the it's 23 year old wow selection of a limited edition pappy that we'll we'll have so yeah and so it it, that will actually drive a significant so we're thinking about how do we market that effectively to to yield the best uh, return on investment there so i mean you're gonna get people that are not fishy people if they hear there's a bottle of happy 23 yeah and if you want to come to dinner and just hang out and learn more about the event you can come, you can just purchase a ticket for 45 dollars. you can show up you can we'll have bull mariner beer here we're going to have wine obviously bottled waters dinner oysters and a cool social event but if you just want to come on hang out and learn more about you know fly fishing here or just you know the event itself and or you want to bid on pappy (laughs) you can come here we will more than likely do a live auctioneer and we'll try to see if we can widen the base relative to getting the word out about the bottle and and uh the person who donated that to us believe it or not uh mrs west who's a a personal friend of mine and my wife's actually is a good friend of my wife's she had it she had purchased it a number of years back she really wasn't as familiar with pappy she doesn't drink bourbon. She said, "Hey, if this can go to help veterans and and or the children of you know Navy SEALs who have educational needs through SEAL Kids, I'll be more than happy to provide this." So, yeah, the person who opens that pappy should do it on the spot and have charitable one ounce pours for five hundred dollars. Actually, a good idea. Same. <laughs> you ever seen the movie The Year of the Comet? It's about a bottle yes. of wine. Yes. Oh my gosh. That's a fantastic idea. My favorite part of the movie is when he says your fucking flying machine broke my house and scared my sheep. And you have to watch with subtitles because you don't know what the Scottish guy is saying. (laughs) I love that. Shout out to your wife. You haven't heard her name yet. Suzanne. Suzanne is is actually equally as as important or 
relevant to this whole equation is, you know, people like, oh, John, and it's like, actually, the muscle behind this, the intellect behind this is actually uh, my better half, which is my wife, Suzanne. She is really from a, a logistics standpoint, make sure everything operates. It is, it, you know, I, I, all kidding aside, it's a fairly large event for us to pull off. And we, we have everybody come to our home at the end of the day, they're in the backyard, pray for good weather. And, you know, we set up enough tables to have 50 people sitting for dinner. If they, if they, if it's, we have pour over, they can sit on our porch, but we have a kind of an enclosed backyard and it sets up for a really nice venue. And again, the focal point, you know, the, the raising the money is important, but really just to make sure our veterans feel a sense of gratitude, which they do. And, and that is the culture that, that I try to set. My wife tries to set our board sets is important. It's, it's critically important um, because the camaraderie they come out of this with and the sense of wellness is the most important aspect of this. If we make some money that we can give back to those to the groups, fantastic. I mean, that is a, a secondary driver, but really it's, it's just making sure that we get our vets out of the water in a safe and, and, and positive way and they have as good a time as they possibly can. How are the vets getting there? Is someone flipping the bill for their travel? So PHW provides travel opportunities. A lot of the vets will, when I say regional, they're probably in Richmond or here. Um, we have a, we ha I know we have a gentleman from West Virginia uh, that has come the last three years, and he has fished with Wes Sigler. And he and Wes, these people develop friendships. As you know, you're an angler. I mean, some of your closest relationships you either can be with a guide, and you end up spending hours upon hours with this person, and they share a lot. And so... People look forward to this event. PHW will provide traveling allowances for folks who are coming out of market. And if, you know, again, they fish for free. The, the, our sponsors are paying uh, for our vets to fish. So they, they, they come on, uh, obviously, the dollars that are donated to us through our, through our uh, supporters. Okay. You want to go over some of the rules and regulations of the tournament? We all know last year somebody in the Midwest decided to put some lead weights inside the wall <laughs> and that did not go over well. Well, we've, we've got some general baseline rules and it really is developed out of just some key learnings. So you can't have a spinning rod on the boat with you. And, and here's why is if you go and you start winging a jig and you can basically, you can test areas and then you, you pull the rod out and you start fishing with fly that gives you a distinct advantage to understand their fish on the structure or what have you. So we don't want to have any 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 spinning rods on the boat. Fish, there's a cadence of photography that needs to occur. You lay the fish down, and once you do, we'll have a signal, which is either you know three fingers or an okay sign. We divulge what that is the, the night before the event. So we have pictures of a fish laying on the board. They have to be correctly laid out. You can't pinch or manipulate the fish in any way, shape, or form. Uh, and then you have to have the correct signal, you know, like I said, okay sign. You have to follow, you know, the basic fundamental rules of, you know, the standard fly fishing rule base, which I'm, I'm, I'm forgetting the actual abbreviation of that, but uh, is you cannot alter your, your rigs. You can't do things that are not traditionally a fly rod setup. You can't drop a lure on a fly rod. You know, these are just basic principles of, you know, the spirit of the event. So, Really, the manipulation of the fish on the board is the biggest sort of, much like you said, 
not that they drop weights in, but you accumulate the total length of each fish to see who wins the tournament. You have to catch three species, rock, speckled trout, and drum. Bluefish will be, if they don't catch a, a rockfish, they can supplement the bluefish in, and that will be the fish that will be the equalizer. And so it's it's a pretty basic slam format, but you just, you know, really where things get odd is where people are pinching tails and doing funny things with fish. No putting some Uncle Josh's pork rinds on your clouser? No, 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 uh, no bait, no, you know, incent, no sense. No, yeah, I mean, because people will will pour all sorts of amazing smelly things all over their flies to get fish to attract. But, you know, again, not that we have rules out there and they aren't winning thousands of dollars. This is more of a spirit event. And Wes has been kind enough to do these slightly obnoxious belt buckles with, you know, the fish and Legends of the Fly 2024 and the fish species or the slam format abbreviation on the actual buckle for whoever wins. We do have a military, we have our veteran uh, category. So we have vets that will win. And then we'll have the regular angler uh, category. So we have, you know, a balanced equilibrium of opportunity for folks to be recognized for their fishing prowess. Excellent. And then is it all just done over radio, text? I guess everyone's spread out. How do you? So one of the changes we made was that basically you can fish anywhere. You can fish the Eastern Shore. You can fish Virginia Beach, Chesapeake, wherever you want to put in the water and you're comfortable with. You have to actually gather the pictures. If you get in the running, if you if you come to you and say, hey, you are right now, you're in third place. We need you to provide us all of the photos of your fish. You you text the, the photos of those fish with the signal, with the OK sign or whatever sign we have designated to ensure that those are your fish. We we ensure that everything is is is, you know, is right. And then they win. So it or, you know, they place as they they should based on how the fish are um are measured so hopefully that answers your question <laughs> any reward for tiniest fish yes we do we do have an award for tiniest fish which is typically the the prize of the year for some reason people just love the fact of catching the smallest fish and it's the last two years believe it or not it's been the same person it's been a veteran we we signify what that is and we typically actually it's usually a rod or something really nice that we have that you know keeps people especially if they didn't have a great day, but they had fun, you know, we want to make sure they feel engaged. And we typically have a, a, a rod or something that's pretty, pretty significant to give them. Let's say somebody catches a marlin. Are they going to go in the water and photograph the release? <laughs> well, if they do that, we'll, we'll do something a little bit more exciting. Yeah, I, believe it or not, people run over to the shore and it, it, it not that we'd catch a marlin, but you could catch a on the way over to the shore if the conditions are right. You could catch a big red uh, drum because they're still still moving in schools even at that time of year on the islands. Yeah, I mean if they can if they can land it and release it and get a picture of it, more power to them. Hopefully, they have the net big enough to to land it. Uh, not about the marlin, but maybe a big drum. Has there been anything just oddly caught? Puffer fish. Uh, yes, actually, puffer fish. Some you know oddball things, but nothing. Nothing crazy. A couple flounder, but you know, nothing that has been like, oh my god, I can't believe someone actually caught that, or something just ginormous, other than a big red, where they just happened to come across a pod and made a cast and landed them. What about birds? I once had a seagull eat a crease fly. Not a fun. Yeah, we've had a couple birds. Um, unfortunately, you know, help. Luckily, released 
unharmed other than a you know a damaged bill but for the most part we haven't we haven't uh inadvertently hurt anything right on. <laughs> you mentioned fishing lights yes. do you guys go out and and swap people's lights out to make them the fish attracting kind yeah no we we basically you know as as, as i realized you, you and i both work you know during the day so you know, you've got family, sometimes you want to optimize your fishing time. And so if you can go and find lights that are productive, that are submerged or above water, it, it really depends on the tide and where it's located and the current running across that light. It can be pretty much any, like either orange or yellow or green or whatever. It's just depending on if it's tracking bait and it's fly and then the current that's flowing past it and the amount of bait. So if you've got, if you've got light, you've got current and you get some bait on it, depending on the tides, tide sequence there'll be fish on it right now because they're just gathering up as the water temperatures are starting to dip the the bait is still in here so they're gathering on that light and it's it's because the the bait's there so and the fish are gathering and they're they're basically ambushing those fish on those lights so it it can make for literally you can select a fish and cast at them consistently until you can get them to eat you'll have to move flies you have to actually even change out flies to figure out what bait is there that can mimic that close enough and those fish will eat. It's pretty aggressive. Eating better is easy with Factor's delicious, ready-to-eat meals. Every fresh, never-frozen meal is chef-crafted, dietitian approved and ready to go in just two minutes, including Calorie Smart, Protein Plus, which is the one I like, and Keto. Get started today and get after your goals. Discover a wide variety of easy options for the entire day, like breakfast, midday bites, and more. No prep, no mess meals. Factor meals are ready to heat and eat so there's no prepping, cooking, or cleanup needed. Sign up and save. We've done the math. Factor is less expensive than takeout, and every meal is dietitian approved to be nutritious and delicious. Head to factormeals.com slash waypointpod50 and use the code waypointpod50 to get 50% off. That's waypointpod50 at factormeals.com slash waypointpod50 to get 50% off. But you could just still throw a clouser. Or you can just throw a clouser. Just a right small on. one. <laughs> um, what happens if you hook someone's dock? For us, we always um, try not doing it with clients. It's always like you look the other way. Uh, well, right, we no always, looking. yeah, it's one thing because that's the quickest way for these lights to be turned off. We try to get up and, and out of courtesy to them, unhook our fly out of their dock, especially if it's into any rope. We try to cut it loose. While not, you know, obstructing a dock or hitting it or anything like that. So we're always cognizant. We're, you know, I'm I'm a bit older, so I, I'm always very cognizant. This is someone's personal property. We want to make sure we're we're being very sensitive to that. And on top of that, not being loud. So if it's late at night or now that it's getting dark earlier, we try to be as sensitive as possible and not overfish a light um, too much and leave leave something there for the next person that comes through. And you know, the fish will regather on the light. It's a certain time period they'll stay, and as the tide slacks, they come off of it and they go back to their you know normal normal areas of of, of rest. So uh, we just try to be always cognizant and remove anything that we put there. I, what I find interesting is we have people that they will fly to Montana, they'll fly to Colorado. Now again, great freshwater fishing, and and I'm not arguing that point in the least, but they don't take an hour or two to figure out what's going on in their backyard. 
And there's significant, I mean, you can really get into highly technical fishing here if you want to. There's nothing more um, delicate than catching a speckled trout. So if you want to be challenged in these waters, you can. Or if you want something that's, you know, a bit more of a of a bull in the water, blue, uh, heck, bluefish, rockfish, drum will hit. Um, but if you want to get highly technical and really be challenged, speckled trout will will wear on you. So, you know, I, I would love to see more anglers. And again, that's just a personal is invest in these waters because there's there's quite a bit here and you know you're you're not far from us here in, in the tidewater virginia beach area um there's pocosin there's some amazing fishing up there i mean eastern shore amazing fish i mean like crazy good fishing over there it's just taking the opportunity to celebrate it and on top of that the lifestyle is pretty cool great oysters great seafood you know kind of a way of life not quite key west relative to you know the clear water but i'll tell you what there's there's areas that are damn close to it in this market you just have to do a little bit of research before we cut for a break here where are you getting a sandwich after you're done fishing for the day <laughs> oh my gosh if you really dockside is a great place to stop chicks oyster bar chickies chicks used to help us with our event we actually became too big for it but I've got a lot of friends in the restaurant business locally, or you can also get adult beverages at both of those locations. There's uh, some great restaurants on the water that you can pull your boat up and stop in and grab a bite to eat. Or during that slack tide, if you're looking for lunch, those are two great places to go right in the, inside uh, inside the bridge. So great spots. Yeah, there's nowhere I can pull my boat up to grab food. Maybe Lake Ann and Reston. about it. <laughs> <laughs> All right. It looks a lot brighter outside where you are. It's kind of so dark in my house, but you still have light down there. No, it's, all of a sudden I'm like, my God, it's only six o'clock. Yeah. I'm not liking this. All right. So you, you mentioned a couple of the actual legends. Can you go through the legends that have been there throughout the years and who are the, the initial ones and some of the fan favorites? I, I'd like to, Stu App was he was actually stationed at Oceana and Stu was a pilot and we had just a, an amazing response to him. And on top of that, he was an amazing personality. People were, were from young and old were excited to meet Stu and super gracious. Um, he went over, actually flew a simulator at Oceana and the city of Virginia beach opened their arms to him. It was actually really, really just rewarding to see a, a gentleman who served his country got into fly fishing and just really became a household name and was recognized for that in this market. And, um, and on top of that, his military service, he went to Oceana and he had some amazing stories about flying <laughs> and probably not suited for, for on air, but um, Stu, and again, just a gracious person who shook pretty much everybody's hand and, and, you know, provided young folks feedback about casting and just sort of the, his lifestyle. Andy Mill was like my my personal all-time favorite, Andy, obviously Olympic skier, turned that passion and and precision and desire into becoming one of those dynamic tarpon fishermen of all time. And he came down, he actually came in early. We hosted an event at Art, Art Webb's house and we had people that got to meet Andy, got to spend time with him. And just hearing about his investment in the sport and he just mimicked what he did in, in, in downhill skiing. I mean, he basically brought that level of of precision, you know, ability to prepare, 
and the technical aspects of getting the most out of your equipment. And I still implement a lot of the techniques. Like the first thing I did when I landed this Kobe this past summer, I remembered the angle of which he keeps his rod to maximize the torque of the reel plus the rod and not over, over cranking. And just his attention to detail for me was just so impeccable that I, it's hard not to respect. On top of that, he was phenomenal with our younger, younger anglers. My son, my oldest boy at the time was in high school. He spoke to him for 30 minutes about casting and his, what he was doing in his life and other kids. It was just, he was just unreal. I mean, it was, it was more than you could have ever asked. And he was also a fantastic presenter and asked, it was, he answered every question he was asked during uh, and before we actually started the film. Last but not least, Able Women, collection of, of some of the most dynamic women in fly fishing. And all of them had dealt with a personal physical struggle and, you know, through either health or emotional. And they came and it was the one, it was the most attended event we'd ever had in history. We generated more money for our charities than we ever had by any single event. I think we may have just crested past that uh, with our last year's tournament, but it was it was a phenomenal success. And the women that were there were just, you know, again, traditionally when you think outdoor sports, fishing, you don't think a lot of women would show up. We actually had a significant level of participation by women who just wanted to learn more about these women's challenges, how they utilized fly fishing to overcome those challenges and the therapeutic benefits of being in the outdoors. So those three things sort of were the epicenter of our, our, our in my personal opinion, the three most prolific legends we had. At the end of it, when, when Art departed, we had our Colby and Brian, Colby Troy was one of our legends. And as we scaled down at, at the back half when Art was leaving, you know, we were we 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 finished it with a really, really good good note. And then that's when the tournament started to shift and take more of a center stage. What do you have on schedule for this year? Tell us all about the dates, the times. Who's so, there? Uh, what to expect? Well, we got um, the belt buckles down. We know oh, that. we got the belt, we got the belt buckles down. And again, from a from a support perspective, it's it's awesome. So we and we this year we actually made a change. We pushed the dates back a bit just to make sure the fishery is in its peak fishing time. And um, so we we were originally mid mid October. We actually pushed first weekend in November. This is as far as we'll push into uh, into November. But we got a lot of really positive feedback. The trout fishing will be good. Drum and rockfish will be on. So it's 11-3 is our captain's meeting. That's at Ballyhoo's in Virginia Beach. It's a big open air bar and restaurant. A lot of appetizers and, and outdoor activities for our vets, like I mentioned, uh, in regards to casting instruction. It makes for a really welcoming environment and it's right on the water. And then that will fold into obviously that evening. Uh, folks will meet on Saturday. And then obviously we have the tournament and then we'll have the function at our home. And then after that, we'll have a, we will have a board follow-up meeting to recap the event and make sure that we hit the benchmarks that we set. You know, our, we had a good event for our veterans. Um, they enjoyed it. Any things we could have done better, you know, and again, as I mentioned earlier, my wife is an active part of that, that process. She helps also bring, I have, I have shamelessly enough, I don't have any females on our board other than her. And my son, who was a significant contributor at Ole Miss to the Ducks Unlimited chapter there, who was the president of the Ducks Unlimited chapter at Ole Miss, he's come on to give 
an even younger voice to our group. So we maintain, you know, an active outreach to our younger anglers. And we've got, that's something that's super important that we've always got to be conscious of is that we're talking in a language and through uh, channels that reach out to our younger, uh, to our younger anglers. So morning of November 5th, what happens? Start it all over again? Maybe, maybe the sixth, but uh, yeah, no, we, we literally that morning I'll start just calculating what happened, you know, what, what happened with the, the auction items. We'll, we'll do, you know, what we'll do a, a sort of a review of what went well, what didn't go really as well as we'd hoped it to. We make corrections right then because it's super fresh. And then we'll take a week off to start planning for basically next year's event and any adjustments we want to make in the tournament. And then our focus will will still start planning, but we'll then start planning for the uh, fly fishing film tour. And what can we what can we do a little differently this year? We're always trying to tweak things to keep things interesting. We've incorporated food trucks hit at the fly fishing film tour at Mocha and Virginia Beach. And so we're always just trying to figure out what we can do a little bit differently. We do raise money for uh, conservation efforts at that event, as I mentioned earlier. So we're just trying to stay a step ahead to maintain some level of relevancy. We've also talked about doing sort of a, a cultural food feast somewhere in Virginia Beach. It, 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 if you're familiar with some of like food and outdoor festivals and music festivals, not anything as verbose as that, but we would do like local oysters, local caught seafood, local procured beers, uh, wines. Chatham Vineyard on the other side of the water on the Eastern Shore is a perfect example of that. And celebrate the local culture and our food culture. And because that that coexists with our fishing culture because it's so intertwined. So to do something like that, to create a third event has been a, um, is a sort of a stretch goal for Suzanne and I because we feel like there's a lot to celebrate in this market and a lot of people to celebrate uh, relative to what they've accomplished through, you know, any of their endeavors relative to the restaurants, beverage, like I said, beers are still very, very, very locally brewed beers are very hot item in this market. So um, there's a lot to, lot to celebrate there. All right. What about finding you guys online? What are all the links? Where can people follow if they want to donate? Let's say you got a company that wants to put something up in the raffle. Anything else where listeners around the world could find more? Find us on our socials, Legends of the Fly VB. Website is legendsofthefly.com. So any of this, we're on Facebook, Instagram. Uh, you can find us there. Uh, you can follow us. Go to our website. You can make a donation there or sign up for the tournament or all of my contact information is there. There's a historical about um, Legends of the Fly and what we've done over our history and our total, total basically amount raised in our total funds. It's well over $100,000 we've raised through our lifetime as an organization for you know our veterans and local charities and conservation efforts. We're not a big group. We've got roughly six active board members currently. Uh, all volunteers, local business, local business people, college students. And as my son is now uh, a professional, he's a local engineer for a dredging company, uh, Cottrell Contracting. And we do this because we want to give back. As simple as that. And we empty our bank account at the end of the year down to about 10 bucks and we start over again. So um, so we front some money and then we replenish that with um, our donations to basically secure venues to do the events, to get the films, um, to do the tournament. So it's very, um, and we're intentionally staying the size we are 
um, so we can be nimble and quick to do what we'd like to do and where we see the biggest amount of impact. So our socials, again, Legends of the Fly, both Instagram and Facebook, and our website's legendsofthefly.com. And there's a bottle of Pappy at the end of all of this for somebody. <laughs> there is a bottle of Pappy, and and that is, um, and we'll be sharing that on our socials. We, it, it was a nice surprise. We made an ask. We didn't expect as, as a quick of a yes. So now we're reacting to that. And uh, we've got some really, between that and Wes's uh, reel that he's donating, a Sigler reel, it's a fantastic reel um, for big game fish. Uh, we've got, and then some items from Monster Creek Fly Fishing and other charitable groups that have given us items to, to, um, to raffle. And we're actually going to be doing, as I mentioned, a live auction for five big ticket items. We actually have a house in Rodanthe um, that will be up for auction that you can you can go and vacation in. So we've wow. got some, some nice items. All right, John. Well, thank you so much for the time. I'm sorry this was so far past due. No. All right. Yeah, thanks so much for your time. And we're going to send lots of people your way and hopefully we'll help raise some money for such a great cause. Yeah, Rob, thank you for, for taking up uh, the cause and, and all the board members from Legends of the Fly want to thank you and and your listeners. Absolutely. All right. Well, have a great evening. Thank you. You too. All right. Thank you for joining us for the Fly Fishing Consultant Podcast. For more information or to contact Rob, please go to www.robsnowwhite.com. This podcast is brought to you by Freestone Productions at freestoneproductions.com.